Hello, so I'm like a, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. How are you? Good, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well, not too shabby. Anyway, I just uh, appreciate you making the time for this. I apologize for the lost footage, but I'm glad that you're able to invest more time. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. How's your... My week has actually been really, really good. Today is actually a hectic day because I have some other folks I'm, I'm recording after you and then, you know, visiting someone Dawah later in the evening. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's weird because I, I don't usually do Dawahs on a weekday, right? Like, I, I don't think that's normal. But there are some folks going to Pakistan tomorrow. So, yeah, they're like, let's all meet Thursday in the evening. And then at midnight, I have plans with a friend to see the new Ant-Man movie. So it's a very oh, busy day. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> so I, I won't be home until like 2, 3 a.m. So, yeah, it's a long day. And, you know, yeah. as you get older, man, dude, those late nights that you, you could do. Yeah, do that, man. It, man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was like, I have to see the Marvel movie. I said I want to be the first one because I get spoilers all the time, unfortunately, man. I, Instagram yeah. or Facebook, someone posts something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. The the one movie that I really want to see is if they'll make it Black Adam versus Superman. Oh my god, I would love to see that. I saw Black Adam multiple times. I saw it three times with yeah. different groups. Like anytime, you know, I'll see it with one group of friends and another group's like, hey, Mohammed, we're going to go see it. And we haven't seen it yet. I'll be like, hey, n- you know, neither have I. <laughs> then I see it again. So yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I think Dwayne Johnson has a lot of star power. I hope he leverages that and really pushes Henry Cable back, you know, back into the role somehow. I was sad to hear that Henry Cable was like, recast and then canceled like a week later i, I thought that was nonsense that's that a crime that was garbage. yeah and how's your how's your week going how's it been alhamdulillah it's been good lots of productivity i'm a big brain dump on a paper type of guy so early in the week i went to a hookah lounge sat got my hookah and just wrote everything about every section of my life what the issues are is it under my control why are the issues and what can I do to resolve them at steps? And then just did that. I was and slowly taking steps to resolve them. And uh, yeah. Well, that's definitely very, very, uh, it's very proactive of you. That's actually a good idea. Maybe I should What's do something like that. That's a keyword. I don't know that it's a keyword. Branching. <laughs> What's that? What's up? What was the word that you used? Oh, I just said that's very proactive. Oh, proactive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I no. said branching. I was like, that's the first word I've ever <laughs> Oh, God, no. The, I don't use SAT. Well, I said the word lethargic the other day to someone. I was like, yeah, I feel a little bit melancholy and lethargic today. And they're just like, Muhammad, this is a high school. Speak English. <laughs> just, <laughs> just say lazy and ambivalent. And I was like, honestly, I think ambivalent is a worse word than melancholy. So... Inshallah, let's, you know, let's, let's dive into it. And, you know, I'll definitely put a summary of who you are as well as links so people can take a deeper dive. But, you know, inshallah, the floor is yours. Uh, introduce yourself to everyone. Sure. So my name is Farouk Nawab Gori in the corporate field. I go by Ali Gori. I'm a certified uh, program management professional with 12 plus years of experience. I have a mixture of internal and external time placing experience. Um, creating an expertise, or I have an expertise in implementing sales cloud software, such as Salesforce Sales Cloud or Service Cloud, Marketing Cloud, Salesforce CDQ, Vendado CDQ, or pricing software suites, contract lifecycle management, doing integrations between these different softwares and integrating with ERP softwares for order management, yep. doing data transformation uh, as well. 
I went to the University of North Texas. I uh, did a BA in international studies with a primary focus on politics and diplomacy and a minor in Arabic, completely unrelated field. Uh, never went into it. Way too much competition and not my cup of tea at the end of the day. So while I was in college and uh, shortly after college, in that period of time, I was doing independent, I took contract work for small businesses. I was also working uh, in retail. And after I got married, uh, looking for a step up. So went to the career university, person on website, and started applying to there. I was able to land a job in a boutique consulting firm uh, that was later occupied by Entity Data Consulting. Over there is where I found the PM who mentored me into this role as a junior, uh, starting as a junior PM with at Entity Data. And since then, I've pursued this path up to a senior technical program manager position with uh, Salesforce leading $20 million project in that cost reduction, SOX compliance, automation, uh, evolving solutions like Workday, Salesforce, Sales Cloud, uh, MuleSoft, Soft, doing data transformation with SM. Now, during this vast tenure, I also opened up my own consulting firm, uh, catering to small and mid-sized businesses, also in the sales technology place, uh, helping B2B companies leverage sales cloud technology to increase revenue, margin, and speed with Wow, that is definitely a full plate. You know, from college to now, you definitely accomplished a lot. I mean, $20 million project, that's very incredible. And on the side, I know I know that you also do some philanthropic work. So talk a little bit about, you know, the nonprofit engagements you have. Yeah, so I am uh, or have been over the years volunteering at TMWF. Shout out to Texas Muslim Women's Foundation. They are a nonprofit organization that helps victims uh, women and children, domestic violence, and they help them get a, sh get, get a shelter, a safe house, and help them with all their social work and, and getting them back up on their feet. And I help them in the back end in business process and IT uh, systems automation and uh, optimization. And so I've worked with Sister Mona Sapir, who is now. At that time, she was CEO, and, uh, and now she's uh, the president and CEO of the nonprofit. And I've been working with her and uh, Sister Summer Shapula. Shout out to her. She's uh, leading, heading the HR department. And so continuing to look for additional opportunities and to help out wherever I can. But I would definitely recommend everybody look into it and help and donate wherever you can. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be dropping, you know, in the summary, I'll make sure to give them a shout out and give information on how people can find their, their website, their LinkedIn, stuff like that. So thank you for the, the background information. And, you know, I have a list of questions I'll be going through, inshallah. So we've already, we've already done the first one, you know, who are you and whatnot. So you already also covered question two, which is your current job and how you, you got into it. So yeah, so question three, what jobs have you held between high school and now? Just go through each one and then talk about what you took from each one that then helped you be better at the next one. That's a good question. I don't have any of this on my resume. So starting from the very bottom and uh, right after, I didn't hold the job in high school, but right after high school, I got a job in Prospect at, at the airport. So there were people at that time before TSA was checking your tickets, 
I was the one checking your tickets and your driver license. I was that guy. And in that position, you meet a whole host of people. And it can get pretty boring just looking at a ticket name and, and driver license. So I saw my coworker, he would start distracting conversations, making jokes with the people. And so over there, I started doing the same, started building up my communication skills, being approaching people and being able to pull a random stranger and being able to talk to them, joke with them. So that helped me with communication. And it was right on the tip of my chest. Communication and confidence, because I definitely lacked confidence coming out of high school. And then from there, I actually had tried to join the Pakistani Air Force, uh, <laughs> but I was in a citizen of Pakistan. My mom was, and it was going to take a long time, blah, 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 blah. So fast forward, I came back to the United States, started college. I worked as a pharmacy technician at uh, CBS Pharmacy while I was going to community college. When I got into UNT, over there, pharmacy technician, obviously, I learned good, better work, work ethic and uh, and uh, speed and optimization of, uh, and learning processes, systems, procedures. Went to UNT after that, uh, left pharmacy, got a job at a computer lab, checking people in, that was a pretty uh, chill job and met a lot of people. So again, communication was a key component over there. I worked at sales at a mall kiosk as well as JCPenney while I was in college at UNT. Uh, I also picked up IT contract work because I was slightly tired of working at retail. <laughs> so I started building up some technical skills, setting up computers, installing software and training for small businesses and healthcare and uh, construction. After college, I was working at Nordstrom, again in retail, still doing the contract work. I did contract work on the side. So Nordstrom, then I got married and I to Dillard's. From there, I was like, okay, I'm married. I'm working at Dillard's. I need to, I need to step up my game. Yeah. So that's when I went to the career center website. I was like, I need to polish this resume and, and see what professional gig I can get. And so that's where I landed the job at the boutique consulting firm. Started off as a research analyst. And then again, as I said earlier on, I met a TMP professional over there who uh, helped me uh, with understanding what the project management uh, field was all about. I got interested in it. I created an opportunity to uh, help support the main project and landed a, created a junior PM role for myself. After that, I got into a small company called Endeavor Commerce, which was later bought by Vendavo. I got in as a technical PM, learning their CPT software suite. Stayed there about four, almost five years. Moved up. Uh, I got promoted to a technical program manager role in there. And then from there, I went to ServiceNow as a technical program manager, working on a $20 million project internal business transformation for sales cloud, from CRM all the way to DRC, master data management, et cetera. And then current role at Salesforce, uh, transition into as a senior technical program manager, managing $20 million companies. That's incredible. And I, I will say this, I've noticed, and many people are going to notice that uh, once you got married, there's a huge, steep progression. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ali was Not like... So marriage sobers you up. And then the kids bring all the butter. Oh, my God. No, kids, kids are a blessing. And they even say when you get married, like it's, I think it's a hadith. They say that when you get married, 
unless someone without it puts blessings, there's a lot of, you know, charity in it and, and blessings in it. Like I know friends who they got married and they noticed like they're making the same money, but then suddenly things at work are getting easier. Things were less stressful. And, you know, you get that sakina, that peace, alhamdulillah. What is your, your day-to-day like? So the senior technical program manager and even in running my own business took a lot of communication, a lot of communication through email, a lot of communication Slack, a lot of communication through meetings. It's getting updates, making risks, overcoming issues and challenges, and trying to make sure that you are moving the project forward and keeping everyone appraised of what's going on. And if there's issues that you foresee coming down the path, being able to communicate that and working with who you need to to ensure that that doesn't become an impediment to the project and its critical path. And so managing the schedule, the budget, and and the the risks and issues is pretty much the day-to-day of a technical PM or any PM for that matter. So you manage people, of course. What would you say is your management style? How would you describe it? So I'm not a direct manager, but as a project manager or program manager, I manage and collaborate with a very diverse and cross-functional team. Everyone has different temperaments, everyone has different styles of communication and levels of information that they need or require at any given point in time. So what I've noticed, I know what has happened with me in the past is, uh, in, in certain situations I've especially in retail. Micromanagement is a very big thing, and I understood how it made me feel, a lot of hostility, aggression, uh, decrease in motivation, and so on and so forth. So I've always gone the opposite route. Uh, I've been empathetic with whoever I've worked with. Uh, I've been uh, open, honest, and and communicative with uh, with the people and people I've managed. I'm very empathetic with them, understanding, and always work to understand anybody's situation, especially with things that are going south, being able to understand the situation and, and hearing them out and coming from a place of empathy and working with them to help resolve the issue because at the end of the day, everyone has things going on in their life. And you want to ensure that you build the relationships positively because when you come from a place of empathy and positivity, people are more motivated, they're more inclined to work harder and more in time to be collaborative and keep the project progress of that project going. A hundred percent. That makes a lot of sense. And I totally resonate with that, that management style. That's something you polish over years and micromanaging never hold, never, you know, never helps anyone. Right. And it's funny because I think people who were micromanaged tend to turn around and be better managers because they know what it feels like to be micromanaged. And they go like, I don't want to be this kind of leader. Like, I don't want my employees to feel this way about me or be inhibited in any way. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the next question is, do you have any regrets or mistakes that you made? career-wise, and how did they turn into learning opportunities? So maybe it was like a bad hire, or maybe it was a, a choice you made on a project that cost time or money and, you know, reflected poorly on you, something like that. doesn't have to be catastrophic, you know, <laughs> just something that you learn from that other people can relate to. So that's actually a good one. And what any regrets or mistakes that you made career-wise? Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be recent. I mean, it could be something you made, you know, Years, years back. I guess early on, it was a lot. I wasn't, it was about trying to make money versus creating opportunities to learn new skills or 
creating or, or searching for opportunities to learn your skills uh, that would enhance my ability. Because right now I can sit here and say, oh, this job was, I learned communication, this job I learned research, but that's hindsight 2020 or 2023 now. <laughs> At that time, it was just about trying to get a job and, and survive. But when you're in survival mode, you're not thinking of growth. And when I got married, I was like, now I'm no, not only responsible for myself, I'm responsible for somebody else. Yeah. Now I can't. We may be in survival mode, making nine fifty an hour at dinner and some contract work, IT contract work here and there. But we need to think about the future and and kids looking back. What can I do that can get us out of this particular situation? What skills I need to obtain? What certifications I need to do, what career pathway I need to choose. Because I had done international studies and minor in Arabic from UNT, and I'm competing with Ivy League and master students going into politics and UN and this and that. I was like, I wasn't going to get into that. So I needed to make a pivot and we needed to make it fast. So early in my career, the focus on just surviving and, and not having a growth mindset. You know, and that's definitely some a lot something a lot of people are going to uh, relate to because there's a huge hustle culture, particularly in in the Northeast in New York, and you have to have that longitudinal vision and realize that the job you have today is not the job you want to have a year from now or after you get married or start having kids. Like you thinking long term, picking up skills so that you become more valuable later. You know, that's 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 definitely important. You mentioned, you know, you went to UNT, you studied, uh, you know, you studied politics and whatnot. What skills would you say you picked up in college, whether it was the ability to do research, manage clubs or people, speak publicly? You know, what skills did you pick up in college that you polished and, and use today? They're still relevant today. Absolutely. So in college, in, in my particular field of study, research was a big thing. Writing 20, 30 page essays was a norm. So definitely research skills and then uh, developing communication skills. I also joined Model UN and, and the Air Model Airbnb represented Saudi Arabia in one of the, I forget which chamber or whatever it was, also the Arabic club. I was part of that. So being able to communicate with a diverse group of people in UNT is a very, very diverse uh, school of people. So very interesting folks over there. Yeah, research, communication is something that I was exposed to. And maybe even, you know, appreciation for the historical and, and current human experience. Wow, that's definitely a good response. And that's something I also relate to. You know, some of the skills you pick up in college, they do come in handy years later. It's not just about kind of graduating. You'd be surprised what things you pick up along the way that, that pop up later on, Even, especially writing. You mentioned writing. Writing is actually super valuable. Like yeah. I, when you do training manuals or white papers, something like that, or you're even trying to justify like an initiative or handle negotiations with vendors, uh, right, the ability to write eloquently comes in handy. Writing eloquently, and so I guess research and writing goes hand in hand with critical thinking. So being able to logically go through and think and extrapolate conclusions from information left. What books or resources have you used along the way, and maybe continue to use? And I know you touched on this last time, so I'm happy to ask you again because you had great yeah, Absolutely, and I kept it right here. I don't have to go to my bookshelf with this <laughs> right here. Otherwise. I'll have to share my background with you guys for a few seconds. I'll change background. There you go. So this book right here, Knock Them Dead by the Ultimate Job Search Guide. I got the 2013 version, as you can see. See, uh, I was married in 2012. This is 2013. This helped me get into that boutique consulting firm, and I've been using it ever since. Best 
but definitely gave me a mind shift on how employers think, how to write a resume, how to prepare for an interview. Anytime I've gone and wanted to make a change, I go in here, put in a book, update my resume, uh, and, and create a list of common questions and answer them. This book really helps you understand the typology of every question that's being asked. We have, I think, about 500 interview questions in there and help you formulate your answers to that. And they also help you create a resume that caters to the job that you're looking for. So it gives you the skills, tools, and way of seeing and thinking about the job search aspect of it with landing, actually getting interviewed. So that's a big recommendation that helped me from my career. And this was a gift, actually, my wife's uncle. So a uh, big shout out to uh, Mumtaz. Mumtaz wow, that's, that's good, man. Mumtaz's uncle came through. And, and <laughs> you know, it's what I love about those books is that the content, you know, it never stops being helpful. Like 10 years later, I'm sure you still rely on that book and you go like, yeah, like this is a great resource. I can reference this. Well, so I'll definitely leave, leave some link in the, in the summary section so people can, can hopefully Absolutely. get it. And this is 2013. They, I'm sure they came out with a more recent version, but I just like leaving the old book. So you have, you know, you're a certified Scrum Master and you're a project management professional, which by the way, PMP is, is not, not easy. I just want to ask, when in your career did you get those? Did you pay or did your employer pay? And uh, how did you decide, you know, these are the certifications you wanted out of all the many dozens that are that are out there? And was was it worth it, right? Was the work, the, taking the test, registering, applying, all of that worth it? So that's a good question. I got my PMT and my CSM during my time at Vendavo. So Vendavo had newly acquired our small CPQ company and they comments. So we had just grown from 20 people to 340 something. And so in that company, so they acquired the software CDQ, they already had their own suite of software, analytics, presentation manager, the price point, the and pricing software. So they had technical or senior program managers on the team. And if I wanted to move up, uh, because they didn't have project managers, they had program managers, and I didn't want to myself out of a job, I was thinking I need to learn these software suites first, and I also need to make myself indispensable when it comes to uh, project management or program management skills. So I was going to add, and I asked about whether there was any employer reimbursement or certification. There wasn't. Oh. I paid out of pocket. I think it was a thousand dollars for the CSM thing, and I don't know how much I spent on a PMP because they were. All the study material, the books, the exams, whatever, and, and then the actual final exam, you know, that cost a pretty penny. But was it worth it? I believe absolutely every single bit because I definitely went up to a technical program manager position, not only there, but seems like a lot of jobs put PMP preferred, and they always, if you have a PMP, they would definitely prefer you. And so it had a it definitely the search enhanced my skills, increased my marketability, established more of an authority. And then, you know, at a certain point in time, when you have both the PMP and 12 plus years of experience, the authority comes naturally. I think there was another question in there that I just figured out. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, we ask when did you get these? You mentioned that did you pay your employer? How did you decide you wanted these? And did you find it to be worth it? So that's actually yeah. answered all of them. 
Um, so when, when, when I was in Davos, that was about 2018 is when I got the service. Wow, excellent. Let me ask you something. How did you find the difficulty of the PMP exam? Like for, for, and what I mean by that is, were you relying on the book during the exam or were you taking the exam and you realized, you know, a lot of my real life experience is helping me here. Do you, do, do you think the book was more helpful or do you think the real life experience was more helpful? Definitely the book and, and, and not the experience because in real life experience, there are a vast majority of, or a vast variation of issues and risks and, and, and scenarios where you have to adopt and, and adapt your framework with the environment. For, for example, one of my clients, business clients, they were an enterprise on the client, but they were completely waterfall. They had fired in front of project manager who was trying to implement agile methodologies into a completely waterfall uh, organization. And they spent nine months of schedule and budget and got nowhere. And so you learn from the book, the methodologies, tools, the techniques, but you need to know how to apply them anywhere you go and be adaptable. So definitely the book was more more helpful for the exam. It was a very difficult exam as well. I studied three months every day afterwards till 12 o'clock at night. That was my thing. And, and I went through multiple practice exams, went through the book twice. And, and But it was 200 questions long. Every question that you took, any question that you got right, the questions would subsequently get harder. And the more you got wrong, the questions would get easier. And for me, Alhamdulillah, it got harder because shameless, uh, I guess, I wouldn't call it fun, but like, yeah. uh, I got, I, I scored in the top 98% so Wow. Now that is impressive because I know the people who like to pass the PMP. I mean, you have to you have to know your stuff, right? Passing the PMP is not easy. I'm well aware that the exam is hard, and I know that everyone who's passed it like it adds credibility. But they already had credibility to begin with. Like you know that they already had everything: the discipline, the time management, the, mm -hmm. the experience, the ability to study it. And it it is a hard exam. It is a hard exam. So that's why it's very impressive that you have it. And then you also a scrum master on top of that, which is great. Not to say CSM is on the same level. I know it's slightly less difficult, but there's a reason I phrased it less difficult and not easier because it's still, uh, Scrum is still, it's still not easy. How would you define your job to someone with zero, I guess, industry knowledge? So people who don't know Salesforce project, how would you describe it to like a teacher or something? <laughs> I would explain project or program management to a teacher that this job is the facilitator and a coordinator of different activity that different resources of different skill level and authority have to do and collaborate on, and you need to orchestrate uh, a conductor uh, in an orchestra and, and try to get everything moving in the same direction without exceeding or trying to exceed the schedule unauthorized and, and exceed the budget unauthorized. That's definitely, that's definitely a great descriptor. So you mentioned that you have your own consultancy and I'll drop its information in the description section. What is the toughest part of running your own consultancy? Like I said last time, sales and marketing. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to go back on that because <laughs> trying to drive new business or market to new business, leveraging and uh, digital marketing, I learned, I had to learn a lot about digital marketing in the different ways, especially on LinkedIn, and then how to actually find 
your who's your persona that you're marketing to and being able to find them on LinkedIn and being able to write copy yeah. that will elicit a response to them and then going down having a sales funnel and going down to the sales funnel. It's very, very time consuming. You have to have a lot of knowledge and there's a lot of effort. And if you already have multiple projects going on and, and, and other clients that you are working with, you need to have a team. And then you ask, where am I going to have time to train these salespeople on, on this entire process? So it's like a catch-22. You got to make the time and, and do it. So, but this, this little circle has been my pain point and I'm, and I'm slowly working on it. And what made you decide to, to start your own consultancy? You know, what, what drove you that I want to be my own boss? I want to have my own company. What inspired this move? To, to go away from like a nine to five and into, you know, having your own schedule and having your own company? So there were a number of factors. Uh, one of them related to the mission of TMWF and then my own. And I, want, I have a vision of seeing that on a grander scale. And a lot of that takes money, a lot of philanthropy. And so I was like, you know, being at a nine to five stuck at one place, you are limited by rent. And if you look at the Quran, Allah SWT, whenever he talks about wealth, there's hijara, business, attached to it somewhere right around that word wealth. And so if you want to create wealth, then you have to go into business. There's no employee self-made uh, millionaire unless maybe you're in sales, but even then, they are working for themselves for that commission. That's definitely, that's definitely a good explanation. So there's a lot of college kids who graduated like during COVID and because of COVID, they had internships canceled because of COVID. The job market has been very volatile and flux, not to mention all of the layoffs we've been seeing. Do you recommend people who aren't able to find work to open their own consulting company? Do you recommend they pursue the same certifications you have or should, do you think they should gain experience for first? I would definitely say gain experience first. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a job. You can create opportunities to where you can gain experience. Like I, when I was at college, I was doing IT contract work for small businesses. And, and, and so I was seeing that opportunity to hone some technical skills and, and get exposed to sales and marketing, the sales part software suite and things like that. So. Experience is very important because, especially with uh, when it comes to a certification or even a master's degree, I see a lot of people right out of getting their bachelor's, they go for a master's. And if you look at the studies out there, people who have their master's, who have zero experience, actually make less than their peers or, or people who have had experience and they're developing their got a master's. And so, and same is true with certifications, especially with TMP. And, and there's prerequisite for you to have experience in order to get that certification. I know you said last time there's some people who were able to get it right out of college. How they did that, beyond me. <laughs> but it's, having that experience actually helps you understand more about even learning as well. And so uh, you'll have a much richer experience when you're getting those certifications with that experience when you were In the meantime, yeah, create an opportunity. Use your career center website from your college. Start attending networking events. Attend career fairs uh, because there's lots of opportunity over there. And yeah, create your own opportunities to gain that experience. 100%. That's definitely sound advice. And that's advice that I resonate with. I agree with. 
what words of motivation can you give people who are looking for work right now, mainly college seniors or, you know, fresh graduates who they don't know how to guide their search and they might need specific pieces of advice. For example, like you mentioned, leveraging their career services, working with professors, using other other resources at their disposal, how to build the network and then use that, et cetera. So I answered your question a little bit, but yeah, uh, going using a career center website, going to the actual career center, using the book, polish your resume, under, this, this book, honestly, will help you understand how you need to craft the resume for the ATS system and for the managers reading it. And uh, because you have to cater it really to every single job description, you can't just post that word spray and pray. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be very catered and deliberate where you're applying. Again, attending networking events to more people you know, and more people you get exposed to, and more professionals you know, the, the higher your chances are landing another, finding another opportunity, landing another opportunity, uh, your chances are virtually good if you're, if you're just sitting like, oh, I'm not there anybody. So uh, definitely go out and networking events. We have our Muslim professionals and we do a lot of networking events, so better come out and meet us. And yeah. uh, if you don't like uh, Muslims or if you don't like brown people, then go to white networking events. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> Definitely attend career fairs, college, boot career fairs, it's career fairs going on in Dallas. If you look at the, in, at the word, simple Google searches on that, definitely attend career fairs in your local town. And yeah, use these tools and techniques, try to get uh, get active, get moving, don't, don't just do nothing. Yeah. Any closing comments, anecdotes, or pearls of wisdom that you want to share? It could even be something <laughs> like eat right. <laughs> eat right, yeah. I think I think I'm gonna go back to what I, I ended with the last time, and because the lesson in there I think is, is helpful. A lot of people when they can't find the job or they get fired, they get into this depressive state, but then they feel like they're not making what they should be, or they didn't do well in college and things like that. Look, I'm, and I'm gonna be open, and I don't care my future employers or whatever may know this, but my high school GPA was 1.47 when I graduated. And my my college GPA started off low. It was in the two uh, low twos, but I ended up at 2.75. Uh, a lot of people think that your academic career has a huge impact on your future to a certain extent. And maybe certain career fields it may, but at the end of the day, if the amount of effort, grit that you're willing to put in to part in yourself to be able to move up. So myself with these GPAs, I was working at Dillard and I could say now I got married. And fast forward 10 years, last year I broke $750,000 barrier and I'm looking forward to going on to the million dollar mark. So your academic definitely does not define you, especially if you weren't those quick point failure, magnet from water, some from water, whatever my wife was her. <laughs> but uh, there's definitely more than one way to go about establishing yourself and and, and being and, and generating wealth. Well, thank you, Ali, for, for joining me today, giving me the time for the second time for everyone watching. I actually, we did a session last week and because of my own AV deficiencies, we, you know, we were not able to uh, salvage the footage. So Ali gave us and, and graced us with this time again. So I appreciate you making the time and really leveraging 
your experience, your wisdom to help educate everyone watching this so that they they know what to do, what steps to take and hopefully help them, especially those who maybe never consider project management. Now they know what it's like. Now they know how you got there, what credentials you had, steps you took along the way. And likewise, people considering their own business. Now they they might know that, hey, marketing and sales is something that I actually cannot avoid. So, you know, this will definitely be a value add. And I look forward to everyone who benefits from this. So thank you for your time, Ali. Jazakallah khair. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I thank you for the opportunity. Jazakallah khair, really appreciate it. And was happy to be here. Hopefully there was some friends of wisdom over here that many people can uh, benefit. Inshallah. Okay. All right. Salaamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.